And luckily, we played that show with a guitar that wasn't broke three songs in. That's beautiful. Was he just like so into it that he just decided to smash his guitar and walk off the stage? Uh, kind of. It started off, honestly, um, the, the sound guy was kind of being a dick to all the other bands. And I didn't get like that feeling from him or that vibe from him. But uh, it sounds about yeah, right. rubbed Corey the wrong way from the beginning. And then at the, uh, like during the uh, songs, they keep turning his guitar down and he keep telling him to turn it up. So Corey like <laughs> just went over and cranked his amp up so damn high, and that you know pisses sound guys off when you crank your amp during the the set, especially when it's all mic'd up. For sure. Um, so they just had this give and take the whole time, and um, and then he started having tech issues. I guess one of the cables was going bad. So out of nowhere, I look over and I just see him smashing the guitar against the PA, <laughs> smashing it against the stage. Security runs up, pulls him off stage. <laughs> um, you know, kicks him out by the time. And so at this point, you've got to keep playing. Like the rule of being in the band is you can't stop. So we just keep playing. So it's just bass guitar, drums, and me screaming over bass guitar. And uh, <laughs> nice. we finish out this song. By the time we get off stage, Corey's already gone, and we didn't hear from him until the very next show. Wow. wow. That's awesome. I was like really worried about it too. I asked you questions about it for like a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly didn't know what was going to happen from there. Nice. And if you pissed off the sound guy and didn't know what was going to happen from there, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. This is Brandon Kellum of American Standards. Hey, hey. And these are all the people in the room who are going to clap really loudly. Oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, yeah. All the hype that money can buy, and we're talking about Under Oath tonight. Yes, we are. No, I thought the hype was for uh, Brandon, but hey. Hey, Brandon is the hype. <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a Daniel Terry extravaganza, the birthday extravaganza show right here. That yes, it is. Oh, you had to bring it up, didn't you? I am four <laughs> beers in. Yeah, and they're all Benelisians, so. <laughs> yeah, 8%, so, you know, here we are. That's I'm like 2% to Dan. my words yet. But so if this is a two or three hour episode, then we'll uh, we'll be about double that in, right? We're gonna piss <laughs> off everybody that's at this party if it's a three hour <laughs> episode. <laughs> we'll try right. our best. I know you got to drive ahead of you, so you know, drink lots of coffee. Yeah, there you go. You got a Keurig, right? We do have a Keurig. All right, so you're good. Get that get that dark magic Keurig going. Like that's my favorite. Is the dark magic? It gets me up for work in the morning. I, I'm st I'm still a stupid guy that though I, I go out and buy coffee from places even though I can just get it from the house. It's it's it really disappoints myself. Yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah, I'm a cheap bastard. I make it at home and I I buy my coffee pods from Costco, the Kirkland <laughs> uh, breakfast blend. It's actually pretty damn tasty. There you go. I'm sorry, very very sorry that I missed the uh, American Standards episode. I feel like a schmuck. I think it's exactly where you're like, fuck that band. I'm not into that. <laughs> yeah, that, that lead singer, man, he sucks. Hey, type your type your password in, you fuck. I got to pull cool. up some under lyrics for this. Too. If you guys ask me to call on him, like, I don't want to. Uh, I don't know. It's all good. Me and Joe are the beginning and the end. Yeah. Uh-oh. I'm the just, alpha, I'm, the omega. I'm, I'm the cream filling. So you're saying it's dangerous <laughs> business walking out your front door? Well, I think Bilbo Baggins said that back in 19... Something 40 something early 19 something, 
Awkward silence time. <laughs> while we wait for Dan to pull up some lyrics. I'm looking for under oath lyrics. He, he's clearly not prepared to have this this live show happen. Yeah, because he's, ha he's having to use my extra phone. So I will say I had no idea that some of these old under oath lyrics that Dan has been sending me over the last couple of days were... Uh, or just like when we talked about Pantera and like I felt oblivious to a lot of the lyrics that Dan was quoting, I was <laughs> equally as oblivious to a lot of these under oath lyrics. Phil Anselmo was a goddamn genius in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that licked my sack line. I mean, don't you feel poetry. like you were uh, the opposite of enlightened after he told you the, the, the lyrics? Okay, so because yeah. that's how I felt. I was like, you know, because I think it's already really well established. I really could give two shit about the lyrics. And then he starts telling me some of them. I'm like, God, that's horrible. <laughs> All right, so we got that We got that out of the way. Um, so tonight we're talking about Under Oath. Yeah. The band that started Ooh. off as a run-of-the-mill Christian metalcore band and really became one of the biggest bands on the planet. In my opinion, the pinnacle for like the scene bands, like basically the band where I felt like if you were uh, – considered a MySpace kid or a scene kid, you were into Under Oath. For sure. They were the band that got you into it. I remember all those t-shirts of like medical beakers that were empty and like little bombs and stuff on the shirts and little crosses oh, yeah. and stuff. Like they were uh, they were like the darling child of the scene, yeah. They were the, the poster boys for like the, the lyric, My Heart Bleeds. I don't know if they said that lyric, but it's definitely something that was a quote on everybody's MySpace page. Oh, for sure. And for some people, it was their email address. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dan. So that happened. Before we get that far into Under Oath, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone who is listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. If you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask that thing to play the latest episode of Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. On iTunes, you have the ability to give us a five-star review if you like our podcast. I mean, definitely give us whatever kind of review you think we deserve. If you think we suck on something, I mean, clearly send us an email first and tell us what we suck on, and then leave us a five-star <laughs> review. Damn! But, you know, if you don't want to, that's fine. But and that can of worms is officially open. I have also added functionality recently to our Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com slash discography discussion you can like our page and follow us and uh one of the cool things you can do is you can leave us a review on facebook as well which is uh something that we're trying out and hopefully you guys are more apt to that because i have noticed that leaving reviews on itunes has become more complicated as of late so uh you can leave us a review right on uh facebook and if you do you know maybe we'll read it and now Jeff is going to tell everyone about 19.2 audio. Not this time. 16 hours later. No, actually, the, <laughs> I, I just bought a brand new Paradigm surround sound system. So how about that with my mini monitors? If there's a bunch of nerds out there, they'll know what the hell I'm talking about. Douche. Fancy. Gotta love it. I think Jeff needs to do a side podcast that we distribute on the website about all those audio things. Fuck yeah. 
That's for the Patreon subscribers, right? That's the bonus content. All yeah, right, so Dave is going to Some it. people got obsessed with cars. I'm the same way with speakers. I can't help myself. And now Brandon is going to tell us all about American standards for those that do not know. American standards makes a lot of noise a lot of the time. Sometimes it's with guitars and other times it's not. I thought you were talking about my toilet when I sit on it. <laughs> I, I swear to God, every day I wake up to a couple people tagging us on a toilet and it's always this aha moment. It's fantastic. I love it. It's a brilliant marketing scheme. Just add the S. That's what gets the trademark around. Gotta love nice. it. Nice. I think about it every time I take it a piss. <laughs> <laughs> People shit on us often. <laughs> Piss and vinegar, right? That's awesome. <laughs> so, Dan, tell us all about Under Oath. Under Oath is a Christian metalcore band, even though they would be really upset that I described them as such now. Yeah, they'd but back you to in, drop the Christian part Back now. in 1998, 1999, that's what they were. They were a Christian metalcore band... That started in Florida. I don't remember exactly where in Florida it was because, well, as I said, I'm five beers into this Tampa. Tampa? Tampa. Was it Tampa? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, let's go with that. So, Under Oath played a style of metalcore that was uh, had a lot of influences of death metal in it, uh, hardcore, just the kind of stuff that was kind of starting to emerge from the Christian hardcore scene at that time. I mean, before that, you had bands like Focus and Strongarm and Unashamed and Zayo and stuff that were, you know, before Zayo went, like, the more metal route. You know, you had bands that, you know, were eating crunches and, you know, being really heavy and in your face and extreme. But Under Oath was more of a, like, death metal-influenced band at that time. And uh, they put out a couple of, uh, well, a lot of people say they're EPs, but... I consider them to be full-length albums because they're so long. I know. We're talking like nine-minute, ten-minute songs. Yes, sir. That's an entire American Standards album. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one Under Oath song, one American Standards album. You do the math. But it's such a great album. By the way, where's my 7-inch? Oh, I will send one right away, man. You just ordered it. I'll send it. you one with these fancy new pins that we just made. Ooh. I've got to get you guys out some of these metal pins. Right? I, need, nice. I, need, I need an American Standards metal pin I did for just sure. place an order recently. There you go. It's coming out. Give me them pins. So we had a very different band in the early days from the later days. The radio single has not yet happened. 1999. Not even close. Act of no. Depression. Brandon, tell me about this album. So I I made my way backwards. I came into uh, Under Earth around Changing of Times and then worked my way back. When I first listened to Act of Depression, it was so uh, spastic compared to where they went into with Changing of Times and, you know, they're only chasing safety. Like Dan said, there was all this tremolo picking. There's a lot of death metal vocals, um, almost at times black metal influence. And the whole uh, Christianity thing about it, I it passed me entirely. I knew they were a solid state band and I knew that I love solid state bands. But listening to it without reading the lyrics, um, it would have I would have been oblivious to the fact. So I almost wonder with you guys, uh, or, and especially Dan, obviously, being big on lyrics, uh, did you come into it knowing it was a Christian band right away, or was it something that you kind of uh, dug into it more and found out about? Well, I mean, I definitely knew um, that was my bag back then. You know, like back in the, back in the youth group days of, you know, you listen to Christian bands, and I listened to, you know, stuff that was significantly heavier than like 
what most of the Christian kids were listening to. And so I knew it was a Christian band uh, pretty much from the start. And I have to correct you a little bit on that, Brandon. Uh, they were actually signed to a band, to a label called Take Hold Records uh, oh, okay. whenever they released the first two albums. So Act of Depression was a Take Hold Records release. Uh, who was later bought out by Solid State. So Was it a Christian label as well? Or? Yes. So y- you're not totally wrong on that, but they were bought out later. So, I'll you know, take it. back when these records came out, they were uh, they were take hold only. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this record was kind of a youth group kid's wet dream. Like, if you wanted to, like, if you wanted to, like, drive a friend over to a youth event or something, you know, and you were just so like obsessed with yourself that you just that you just wanted them to know that like yeah, dude, this is the kind of stuff I'm into. Uh, <laughs> you would play something like Act of Depression, and uh, it has a lot of tremolo picking. It has a lot of really harsh screams, some death metal vocals in there. Really raw vocals too. Like they're super raw. They're not polished at all. It, it just sounds like he's like shredding his voice the entire time. No, and one of the first things Joe said. See, we, me, Joe, and I used to be in a band called Jelly Donut. That was like a Christian, like rock metal type of band. And I'm considering the censor button right now. I remember. <laughs> uh, I remember we were. So there was a time at Jelly Donut where we sounded like uh, kind of like a Lincoln Park or like Nonpoint, like like. Like a smooth, like rock metal hybrid, like new metal, basically. And like a hybrid theory. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like a hybrid. I'll have to look it was up like this volume. theory of it was this theory of hybrid, you know. And uh, but sometime during that uh, during that era, I you know I discovered bands like Zayo and, and Norma Jean and like stuff that was just a little bit more like a lot heavier and, and you obviously mean, you discovered good bands yeah like bands like under oath and and you know i was really into it at that time and so i subjected these poor band members to listening to like stuff like active depression and cries of the past and i was like this is this is the good stuff the shit we're playing isn't good you were the to, hipster of Christian metal. Absolutely. <laughs> That's your new trademark there, Dan. Hashtag hipster of Christian metal, yeah. So, you know, that happened, and, like, I remember, like, just really subjecting these guys to this stuff, and I remember one of the first things Joe said when he heard uh, some of the songs off of Active Depression, he said, this sounds like the band is recording in one room and the singer is just screaming random shit in the other room. <laughs> And he's not totally off the mark on that. Like this record, it, Dallas, Dallas was not the vocalist that he became. There's a lot of really weird, like talking parts, like thrown in there, and like really raw screams. And like they sound cool, but like on Active Depression, whatever reason, I get I kind of get bored. Like what seven or eight minutes into each song. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you if it holds up for you because today I went back and listened to Act of Depression, which at the time when I first discovered it, I rem- remember really liking it. But I think I really liked it because I felt like cool and underground for liking it, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas when I go back and listen to it now, I'm like, these songs, like you said, are so long. They're all over the place. There's not a whole hell of a lot of structure. And it just didn't hold water like it did back uh, when I first heard it. Yeah, I mean, there's so much like chugga chugga riff going on. And it just, it doesn't go anywhere. The songs are kind of, 
for the most part, they're actually kind of slow paced and it's almost like they're just like super impressed with their guitar tone or like how heavy they were able to become. It sounds like a like a 16 year old kid at a guitar center that's just like trying to like you know tremolo pick his way through from riff to riff just to see if anyone's paying attention. Well, yeah, to and that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, I think the average age of the band members. I think Aaron Gillespie was like what 15 when they did this. So like it oh, was diff. I mean, it was just different, and his his drumming wasn't amazing here, but like he was a far cut above what he would do later, and. What I mean by that is he's a very solid drummer. He's playing with the song. And later on, he would turn into this much more talented version of Lars Ulrich, where it was, I'm going to play wrong on purpose, but it's going to be really solid and in time with the music because I want to be different. Wow, shots fired. I, I yeah. said it, and I ain't afraid of it. Um, I was going to say, it's for- not listening. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron's not my issue on this album. I... I think Dallas is kind of distracting with his vocals. God, shots fired again. Yeah, I just man, I'm not a Dallas guy. Where the hell did I find these guys? I don't, I don't know, man. But Jesus, you, you screwed up. You should have just like stuck with Brandon the whole time. Well, the thing about <laughs> this record compared to every other Under Oath release is, to me, it's measured by all the music that would later be popular. Between this and Cries of the Past, which is excellent for me, Cries of the Past is a far superior release. Absolutely, and yeah, I would be I, curious I, to I, know I, what I the say, writing time frame was between the two albums. I think everybody would say that Cries is far superior to this. So I think I think Act of Depression is good is all right for the most part. It's not great, but it's it's all right. But uh, guys, can I take a section of this podcast out to talk about some lyrics that were on? Act of Depression. Please do. You are now entering Dan's Lyric Fest. I think it's time for a beer. Okay, so there's a song (laughs) called Burden in Your Hand. And you may not know what you're getting into. Are you ready for this? It's your birthday. Oh, my God. Do what you want, birthday boy. Okay, well, this is a song about abortion. Oh, boy. Okay, so... um. Here's a snippet from A Burden in Your Hands. When you kill, you destroy that child's dreams and hopes. How innocent a baby is. How can you put it to death? What if you were aborted? You could have never had life. And now, you made a choice to take this child's life because it's a burden in your hands. And I'm going to skip up a little bit here. uh, Where he says, you kill, you destroyed. Never will this baby be able to grow up or show its love. You'll never be able to hear it say, I love you. I love you. God does not give you the privilege to carry a child for nothing. I don't hear the clapping from the audience back Oh, there. man. <laughs> that was intense. That's rough, man. Like You know, the thing about that is I don't even feel like that reads like lyrics. Like, there, there's no metaphor in there. There's no, like, it doesn't sound poetic or it just sounds like they wrote a paragraph. It of, sounds yeah. preachy. It sounds like a they read it off of a fucking Jack Chick tract. Like, it just doesn't... Wow. Like, at one point, he even says, you should have thought about the baby before you had sex. Well, damn. That'll get you every time, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's weird to hear 15, 16-year-old youth group kids 
have such a strong opinion about something that they have never experienced personally. Yeah, I was gonna say you're pregnant. Like, let's let's fuck like crazy now. Right, Can't like get it's, you pregnant it's anymore. one of the wow, Jeff. Uh, so uh, it's one of those like you know Hot not take. really like talking about having sex and having a, having an intimate relationship with a woman from guys that probably haven't. This is clearly something that like was pushed down to them. Like they heard this from a pastor or they heard this from somebody that they felt maybe the like pastor had just wrote it and they screamed it. Possible. <laughs> totally possible. But you know, maybe the maybe the fact that the way it's written like this, kinda of going back to the fact that like the vocals get boring after a while, since there wasn't a lot of um uh, like it doesn't feel like they spent time on the melody. It feels like they just kind of spent time on, you know, what they wanted to to write for lyrics, and then they kind of tried to force these lyrics into a pattern, and, and none of those patterns are really catchy. Right. Well, right. that's that's Joe's whole comment about it. Sounds like Dallas is screaming in a different room. You know, it's just that like these are the lyrics, so you know, go fuck yourself. These are the lyrics. <laughs> it yeah, sounds like somebody else I know. Yeah. Shut they, up. They, uh, they, so. have, they have a point. They want to articulate. And the music is nothing more than a vehicle, and if it doesn't fit exact, I don't think they really care. Do you, do you think Dallas would look back at this a cringe? Uh, oh, I think yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I hope he's feeling better. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'd, does anybody know? Does, is is he still recovering from the brain injury, or is he like? Well, he was he was um, just recently on the uh, Bad Christian podcast, and they talked to him. But I remember okay. I remember him looking pretty rough. That sucks. Boy, that tugged at the heartstrings, though, man. I, I felt like I, I watched that on, him on the podcast, and uh, I was a big Dallas fan. Maybe not for acts of depression, but um, but even into Melee and Sons of Disaster, and just watching that him talking about his kid and everything, I was like, wow, this is. I, I'm getting a little teary eyed here. Yeah, and I hate to. I hate that we're gonna. You know, again, this is the second time on discography discussion that we have talked a little bit of trash on somebody that is not doing well. Uh, you know, physically. And uh, I apologize for that, but uh, we we, we kind of do what we do, man. We just have the records that we have, and you know, we just kind of go from there. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm sure he understands this wasn't his best work. Sure. Well, well let's, nobody's let's talk first. about much better work. Well, no, let's let's. I, I got another one, Joe. For <laughs> oh, he's still God. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. So there's the title track, "Act of Depression," and this is sad. It really is. Um, okay, so this is this is this song's about suicide if you haven't guessed yet. Right? So this is a boring ass song musically. It really is. I mean that, that bass at the beginning sounds so fucking lifeless that like it's hard to continue. And this is like an eight minute song. And it's not cool in like a doom metal kind of way. It's like more of like a Oh my god, like come on guys, really? So wow. Uh, I'm looking for the lyrics right now. I'm looking on Jeff's phone, so give me a second here. <clears throat> Let me start here with ice cold fingers, body lays on the floor, pool of blood you see, you scream out in terror. Her body, now a part of mutilation, her soul the victim of strangulation. I will not accept this evil anymore. I never thought of who I hurt, or I never tried to look for the good. I'm sorry for whoever I hurt. It's not easy to look back on my life, and I know I did not know Christ. For now I live in a real hell, 
I wish I had another chance. Then I would live my life with love. And again, I know I'm talking about I'm talking about 15 year olds here. But like, <laughs> has it ever occurred? Has it ever occurred to you guys that sometimes people have an actual chemical imbalance that causes depression? Have you ever thought about the fact that ban- that that people have legitimate issues that are more complicated than, well, this person didn't have Jesus, so they killed themselves because they didn't see any other way out. I mean, I you know maybe I'll say that like four percent of people that kill themselves, yeah, maybe that's it. But like, I've known a lot of people that are born again Christians that have killed themselves. I mean, I think you nailed the the nail on the head when you said uh, this is coming from a 15-year-old, which doesn't have the uh, the world perspective or the the experience just to really understand that, right? Right. And, um, and Brandon, when I was 15 years old, I probably would have said the same shit. Yeah. So what you're saying is they're buying in to the Bible tract that they're being handed. Right. It's, it's this whole idea of like, well, I didn't look for the good in things. That that's assuming that the person that is having this problem is like in their right mind. They might not be, and that's an assumption that a fifteen-year-old would not never be, make. It might not be their fault. You know, the, these these things happen. It sucks. People are born with bipolar disorders, which causes them to kill themselves. You know. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, this is unfortunately a subject that I'm really well versed in. Get up on that mic, Jeff. I'm I'm eating it, man. All right. So if the, if ah. it's if it's not hot, you need to crank it up a bit. You got it. Uh, my aunt lived in the church quite literally. I mean, she like church was the biggest part of her life outside of family, and she was bipolar. And one day she decided to take her life, and it's not. She didn't take her life because Christ wasn't in her life. Because if. You, you could have asked anybody around her. You could ask her, and the answer would have been a hundred percent yes, that that Christ was with her, and she still took her life. And sometimes there is that bipolar. There's that chemical imbalance. There is a scientific explanation for why some people end up doing the things that they do, even if they are immoral, because suicide essentially is. But. You, you know, I, I guess I should. I, they're fifteen-year-olds and they're putting themselves out there. I mean, we can shit on them all we want. Can we give them a pass for being ignorant? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. They, <laughs> they, they are. If that's the case, then I don't get a pass at all. You know, like it's, yeah, you know, don't read what I uh, scratched into my trapper keeper back in uh, high school. Right. <laughs> Norma Jean rules with a Z. Yeah. <laughs> But they, they they learn, you know. No, they, that was actually that was actually what I write at, at work on my uh, on my notepads at work. Norma Jean rules. <laughs> nice. Go. I believe it. I they totally believe it. They still rule. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these are just kids. They're being honest. They're putting themselves out there. They're letting their opinions and their feelings known. And that's part of how you learn when you're 15 years old. I mean, you put yourself out there. I mean, also and you get shot like, down. If you look at the pictures from these guys at this time. They look like, you know, the poster boys for Hot Topic. Like, they have the big old, like, spiked bracelets and uh, the big black Genco jeans that we all wore back then with wallet chains. And, 
uh, you know, they're they're full blown into that uh, that you know being an angsty fifteen year old. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, there's definitely a stigma that goes with this band because most of us are thinking of they're only chasing safety. We're not thinking of what led to that, which for <laughs> me is just this hardcore, almost deathcore type band that had these little hints of what we would get later. Talking about later, can we, well, uh, we, yeah, can we, we finally can, we find our ways uh, to cries of the past, please? Yeah, well, I'm going to say one last thing about active depression before I'm Man, done. Man, you just want to shit on this Dude, one nonstop. No, no, no. no, this is a good thing. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> that party about... All right, I'm going to shit for 98% of the time. 2%, I'm going to be nice. Yeah, no, like, the, whenever he's all like, body lies on the floor. Like, he does that, like, guttural death like that part sounds fucking sick like i love the way that sounds uh it's the best part of the song i for love me. the fact that in acts of depression and and in cries of the past there's these like little backing 80s metals like yeah yeah <laughs> so hear them, but they're there and i don't know what inspired them to say yeah that was cool that's um that's uh cory steger was the guitarist for under oath on the first two records three maybe no probably probably just the first two uh, he did all that, and uh, he, was really? a, he was a big metal <laughs> fan, and he's responsible for the more metal aspects of the first two Under Oath records. So, They're very out of place. It's awesome. Yeah. Let's an talk about crazy the next record. guitarist, yeah. I think it's their... Uh, sonically, it's by far their best effort. I'm still not a huge Dallas fan, and I probably am not the entire time that he's with Under Oath. That's just me personally. But... Damn, this is a great album. Yeah, this is where they actually started learning about structuring a song and coming back to riffs. Uh, it's still barely all over the place, but in a way that's a little more digestible than Acts of Depression. Well, it's much more melodic than Acts of Depression. It's like straight up melodic death metal in places. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a really well put together thing. The keyboards, uh, huge addition to the band's sound. Yeah, and that that's Dudley, right? Chris yeah, Dudley. Chris Dudley. He. Yeah. He brought uh, another flavor to their sound. Which I dig. The lyrics are a hell of a lot better on this record than they were on uh, on Act of Depression. They're actually um, they're actually like more like they're still very Christian, but like they're um, I don't know, like it's more heartfelt, I guess. They're almost thrash on this. Yeah, dude. Like this record is this record is the real deal. I wanna hear this band, not the next one. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm probably in the minority. I don't mind the next one. I actually, if you're talking about changing of times, that's might be my second favorite album by Underith. Yeah, that's my shit. All um, right, I'm not saying it's a bad record. I'm just saying we didn't get this anymore. What we got later was what we got later. So, Cries of the Past <laughs> has five songs, and they're like at least like what eight minutes each. This yeah, whole thing clocks in so at 42 a, minutes. It's a fairly long record, for sure. Good God. Yeah, they, they kick ass on it. And uh, and I love. I mean, honestly, I love every song on this record for different reasons. The keyboards are the keyboards are on point. The vocals, I think, sound a lot better, especially since they're going for more of like a European metal sound. Uh, the raspy screams and stuff sound a lot better here. I think Dan just said on why I like it. Yeah. European like, metal. Absolutely. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, there's definitely more of a European metal sound. Like this Corey Steger guy, you know, must have like really been like, guys, there's some really great shit going on in Gothenburg right now. You need to, <laughs> you need to check yeah. it out, you know, um, <laughs> that Gothen shit. But yeah, no, like it's uh, 
But you know, this is this is prior. You know, this is this is the pre as they lay dying, kill switch engage, unearth, metalcore stuff. You know, this is the, the, this captured elements from the melodic death metal m movement in Europe, but did it its own way and still came across sounding relatively original. And uh, so, like, the eight-minute songs are a hell of a lot more enjoyable than they were on Act of Depression, which is more rooted in, like, an American metalcore sound, which is, like, not all that different than what you were hearing from Zeo, although Zeo was obviously much better than, than they were. Uh, at that time. That's kind of like the flip side of the American standard when it comes to metal at the time. <laughs> Jesus, Joe. <laughs> I couldn't help it. You're so Put it in funny. There as much as you can. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> yeah, didn't we didn't we stroke Brandon enough on the last episode? Come on. I I normally uh, just put that episode on every night before bed and listen to it. <laughs> there you go. Where I'm like, yeah, it's, it's truly like that inspirational ASMR, lyrics. You know how like people listen to people like whispering while they're sleeping. That's I, I just listened to discography discussion talking about us. Let's go. Oh, I, fig I figured it would have been the uh, the system of the down episode. Whenever <laughs> you're you're essentially run the show. Christ of the past. I think we can all generally agree is a huge step forward from what we had gotten on Axe of Depression. Dude, it's light years ahead. But I have one caveat. Oh, of course. So the the title track. Cries of the Past is about a girl dies in a car crash and Dallas is racked with like all the pain and suffering because the car accident was his fault and she died and he was so upset about it. It's it's very dramatic and it's very crazy and like he's on he's at her funeral and it's really fucking depressing. But I've done a lot of reading online, and I could be completely wrong about this, so we'll throw a disclaimer on this that this could all be bullshit. But if it's on my, Wikipedia, it's probably but true. from my understanding, no, this is better than Wikipedia. I'm talking message boards, baby. Oh, so, snap. Yeah, so it's entirely possible that none of this shit actually happened. Like, this was just a fictional story that the band had come up with to explain, you know, like something that happened. And I could be completely wrong about this, especially since this topic was visited again in the Changing of Times episode, or not episode, they're a band, not a podcast, uh, <laughs> on the next album. And the only issue I have with that is that, like, if it's not true, it's kind of bullshit. Is it though? I mean, uh, maybe. I, I, no, I, I agree. Like, it, it takes away from like the personal connection that like you can feel from it. But at the same time, I feel like if the they're trying to convey a, an emotion, but they build a story to make that more tangible. I mean, I feel like a lot of bands do that, you know. But it, it definitely takes away from the personal aspect. Well, sure, it's no different than like Slayer talking about the Antichrist and stuff. You know, I mean, obviously <laughs> that shit never happened. But on the same token, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, 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 if it turns out that it wasn't any, that any of it wasn't true, it really takes away from it because of how hardcore that they, you know, went into it. Like, because in Cries of the Past, it's all about, like, the build up to that and the emotion that that situation created. And then, you know, cry, or the changing of times is kind of like getting over that. If it's all true, yeah. it's a wonderful work of art. If it's not true, it sounds cool. It's not necessarily a work of art. You know well, what I'm let, saying? Let me put it to you this way. So 
if you uh, went up to Def Leppard and you poured some sugar on them and they're like, ew, this is sticky. I do not like this. <laughs> well, what the Would fuck? They anymore? should be expecting that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, they just made up this crazy story that they like sugar being poured on them. That is not the same thing as I had a girlfriend that died in a car crash and now I feel really upset about it because it was my fault. A little heavier. A little heavier. It's a, a little heavier? What if. No, no, the, no, no. This no, no, is no. a serious Pour question. Pour some sugar on me, baby, is like an 80s metal fucking. <laughs> thing like a topic right this it's an is, anthem it's this like is made a serious to question shut the fuck up what's Joe? the difference so, between like, that and everything that coheed and cambria did no shut up that's different okay because that was established very early on is not true with under oath we were kind of not sure if that happened because i assumed that it was all true but did you need to be for, told for Maylene, aren't they all a story as well for Maylene Sons Disaster all the albums are like a story that yeah but it was a, but, it, but, but it was known from the beginning that that's the way it was going to be uh, you want them to be upfront about it. I want them to be upfront about it because that's what I expect out of hardcore music. Am yeah, I let's wrong? talk about something other than a girlfriend dying in a car crash because I actually did experience that. On Dan's that. birthday. Sorry, buddy. That's what that's what Cries of the Past is about. I know. That's I, I, what, I, yeah, I know. I just I'd rather talk about a different song. I guess that's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, but it goes on and on like through the next <laughs> album. All right. So um, I don't know if it's true or not true. Well, my my story is true. Okay. So. Well, then you may not want to read the lyrics for those songs. No, I. I okay. Yeah, you, you're sorry, you're, buddy. That's okay. You're finding um, why I don't read lyrics. That's my I, only I get, caveat. I get, I get too damn depressed when it comes to lyrics. That's my only caveat. If it's true or not true, I really don't know the answer to that. So, um, if the band is listening, then you know for sure. Let me know if it's true or not. But. Okay. I think Jeff's gonna have to take Cries five minutes and get me a new, another beer. Cries of the Past is really good. Likewise. Um, Cries of the Past is a really good record. And like you said, it really bridged that synth, which is super heavy for changing of times. Oh my god, it's so great. And honestly, it's the reason why we went with synth when we hit Into Destiny. Oh really? That's you know, 100% awesome. was, was Under Oath. Changing of times for me, like some songs, and especially some parts of songs, feel like I'm listening to the hardcore soundtrack of Mega Man. Absolutely. And it's great, man. Dudley's a fucking genius on that stuff. And it's like so happy. Like the synth sounds like so like you just want to clap along to it at times. But it's so weird in contrast to the songs, especially to the two albums before it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about Changing at Times. Starts off with basically Underworld's first quote unquote hit single, When the Sun Sleeps. Say hello to Hope's Fall. Uh, yeah, They're gonna well. be here for the next forty-five minutes. Well, you know, I uh, right. <laughs> just FYI, we have Dave, our Patreon supporter, Hi! giving us beers. Hello. Yeah, Dave's here in house. So I'm here. Shout out. He's figuring out how the sausage is made. He's, he's watching us. <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work, Dave. You're doing the Lord's work. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's getting us the beers. That's definitely he is the Lord's definitely work. Lord's work. Yeah. Lord's work, but I'm working. Yeah, he's working. <laughs> so. Okay, so yeah, it was their first hit single for sure. This song, this was fucking like, I didn't expect something like this out of Under Oath because you got to remember, this song's only like what, Joe, like five minutes long, three minutes long, something like that. What's five minutes? Five minutes. Okay, something. that's uh, that's painfully five minutes thirty three seconds. That's painfully short for Under Oath. Had that huge, huge hook, 
I mean, yeah. the second yeah. that comes on, you've got to sing along. And this is the first song where you actually get to hear Aaron Gillespie sing. Yeah, and which he, becomes a huge thing later on. Yeah, I'm. I actually, uh, I like the screamo direction that they're kind of taking. I I really enjoy it. I mean, I'm not afraid to admit that I do like screamo. And by screamo, you mean hopes fall, because that's basically what they're doing here. It's a sure. little hopes folly. You know, yeah. if you're a fan of like stuff like Stacia or Rain or or Orchid, I think this was like, this was a more polished, digestible version of that, um, and. and probably you know got to a lot more people than some of those uh, older screamo bands did. absolutely and uh this record also does like they, they definitely paid tribute to their metal past you know um there's some there's some really aggressive songs on here like a message for adrian was really aggressive and um speaking of message of adrian all right okay go listen to boys of summer <laughs> and then listen to adrian I, I just do it um fuck you but is the boys of summer a true story or did they make that up I'm talking. I'm actually. I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I'm not talking just about the you. lyrics. You know me, man. I don't talk about Let's the lyrics. Let's dig into the truth of this matter. <laughs> just, just do me a favor. When everybody's done listening to this podcast, just listen to those two songs back to back. You never even go. Oh yeah, there might have been some inspiration there. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. Yeah, there is. <laughs> it's not even inspiration i think it's like a straight up ripoff in certain points which is so funny do you guys think at this point that dallas's vocals were appropriate for the band sound on this record i would say based on where they were going and what was about to be popular it absolutely fit yeah this is a peak of his vocals to me for for what under oath like for under oath having an opportunity to break into a, a bigger crowd this is like what he had to do for that i'm not sure it Um, was what they were going for but i think it was perfect i think this is where dan and i are probably going to (laughs) disagree i think uh i think jeff gets fired brandon kellum hosts discography (laughs) discussion (laughs) dan and jeff are going to disagree with joe and brandon is what i was getting at oh it's dan terror all over again yeah because i i I actually like uh, Dallas's vocals more on Cries than I do on this, but I like Aaron. I, I think Aaron's freaking great for the clean vocals on this. I mean, I think he fits perfect on this stuff. I think that's pretty fair because I think the fact that like you have both in there to contrast and also um, I'm sure Aaron's maybe uh, bouncing ideas off of Dallas as well. I, I think it makes the vocals a little more catchy, um, you know. I like hooks. I like catchy. So, I actually, I really do like this album quite a bit. This is my favorite one out of everything they've ever done. Yes. Shut up. Is it really? Really is. Dude, that's not it's what I was. Close getting. second for me. I love Cries of the Past. Wow. But From the, the text that Dan and I were having earlier this week, uh, this is totally out of left field for me. <laughs> well, he, he, I think he purposely threw me a curveball. This How was, many beers did he have you while he was texting you? Nobody Not knows. I, yeah, you know what? Nobody knows that but me. Yeah, Dan was Dan was on vacation this entire week, so he was probably shit faced the whole time he was texting me, and I had no clue. Yeah, I was shit faced while I was driving my family four fucking hours to an aquarium. Yeah, sure. Well, that's irresponsible, Dan. You shouldn't admit that on there. Well, I'm sorry. You know. So you're saying it's dangerous business going out your front door? It is. Oh my god! <laughs> it is some days. Actually, I really like that song. It is some We're days. Almost there, Jeff. So, Hold on, man. Hold so, on. So I like changing at times because it's an extremely emotional album. 
Um, there's not as many bullshit made up songs. And um, <laughs> like my favorite song on this record is called Angel Below, which is uh, one of like the keyboard owns the song. <laughs> is this is this the one where it drops down into the, the single bass drop the the do 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 Yeah, dude, it's like it's like a Transformers uh, <laughs> uh, synth line, man. It's it's great. It's the sound wave solo, is what it's, you're saying. Oh. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that when we're talking about not beneath later. Yeah, vocoders, uh, but mm. yeah, yummy. So, like, they uh. Wearing my Not Beneath t-shirt tonight. Anyway, yes. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic band. Check they, them out. They are great. But uh, anyway. Not American hey, Sanders focus great. focus back on me here, fellas. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I just said Not American Sanders great. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Anti-Melody shits all over that record. There are no but, other uh, bands you know, in this town. <laughs> in your town. Uh, <laughs> so, they're Not Beneath, not from our town. Anyway, so... Aren't they from Travis's but town? No, that's my favorite. No, they're not. Oh, they're uh, not? No. Cool. So there's um, that song like really ties the record together for me. There's also another song where like they build for like a minute and a half because these songs are shorter. This record's only like, what, like Joe, like, is it like 39 minutes long or something like that? 34 right about minutes. That, they were trying to do this, the radio single Right, so point. like every song's like two to three minutes long, which yeah. is really different for Under Oath. It's 35 minutes and 45 seconds. I mean, if this was Cries of, the, Cries of the Past, like we're looking at like the record being over within three songs, you know? Uh, but they've, they've chopped all that up and made more digestible songs. Well, there was this thing that all the metalcore and hardcore and deathcore bands tried to do. All of them. Which was be artsy. And say, we're going to have long songs that don't have choruses. Right. I know this because I was one of them. <laughs> and it, yep. it doesn't work, guys. It might work once in a while. You can get away with it. But the best thing you can do, especially if you want to make money, this will come in later. If you want to make money, write the radio single. It worked on Cries of the Past, dude. I'm listening. Yeah, Write go, the thing that people want to listen to over and over and over again. Yeah, go find that Question, hook. Question, though. What if you can't sing or write a single? Then you write Writer's Block Party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and right, everything cool. is fine. Well, you did that already, so it's off the list. There you go. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so about changing in times, though, I will say, like, for this, it's like, uh, if you want, if you go on YouTube, you can go through this wormhole. This is an interesting time for the band because I think it's right when this style of music starts to kind of just, you know, kind of blast into the mainstream. And you actually get to see some live videos that has Dallas singing songs that will become their only Chasing Safety songs. And you also get to see um, Spencer singing some old songs that were under the songs from like Cries of the Past. So I think that's like really cool to see on YouTube. What's really interesting, too, is that, like, I think Dallas said in an interview, and I could be wrong here, but he said that, like, changing, they're only chasing safety because, like, a lot of fans of the band were really upset after they put out they're only chasing safety because it was basically like an emo record. Are we moving on to that now? Yeah, why not? Uh, so it was more of like an emo record. And, uh, I mean, according to Dallas, they pretty much were going to go in that direction regardless of who the singer was. You know, that this was this was the direction the band was going in. And you can kind of tell that, that a lot of the songs have been pre-written because um, I knew Spencer Chamberlain from, and I didn't know him personally, but from a band called This Runs Through, which was a melodic hardcore band uh, from around that time. And 
they only had like a five song EP, but I remember him doing like really deep guttural screams. And so when their only chasing safety came out, I kind of felt like he was basically just trying to sound like Dallas. I mean, yeah, did, did, did you guys sense. get did you guys get that impression at all listening to it that he sounded like Dallas? He was going for that high pitched sheen that the band was known for. Yeah, but Spencer yeah. does a better job of it, in my opinion. I think no, his I voice is Spencer's more appropriate. Like, this album is so like not only is it maybe dabbling more in the emo side, but it's, it's so dabbling? damn polished. Um, from from all the production on it, from how smooth the screams are and the the singing is, and all the electronics and everything else, it's just such a polished album. Which I think is what made um, it made it perfect for anybody that was you know in high school and you know probably wanting find acts of depression and actually say this is a great album. They needed something to step into that style, and I think uh, they're only chasing safety was that album. Yeah, there's there's a reason why this sold over a half million copies. Physical mo. If people haven't figured it out, <laughs> I am completely unabashed in, in in my love of emo. I mean, my God. I mean, I talk about Sunday Day Real Estate in almost every damn episode. I'm gonna say it. Get out of my house, <laughs> dude. You know our you website serious? is discussmetal.com, right? You there knew is a that, lot. Right? Yes, I understand, okay, and I and I realize this, but. Diary by Sunday Day Real Estate influenced a ton of these post-hardcore and screamo bands. Going forward, anytime Jeff mentions Sunday Day Real Estate, you have to drink. Well, sweets. <laughs> so I All right, remember. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sunny Day Real Estate. Okay, everybody, drink. I'm already preloaded. All right, so I would say that this record was. I'm not gonna lie. I was really fucking pissed off when this came out. Because I was at kind of this crossroads of like, I loved Cries of the Past, and I loved the changing of times. And this was, you know, not that, man. Uh, I, I used to call him Taking Back Under Oath. Yeah, you it's know? totally and Taking like, Back Sunday. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's obvious. I mean, it's, it's funny, because what I didn't day. admit to people is that I listened to tons of Taking Back Sunday. And so when did Taking Back Sunday peak then? Well, like, when were, was their first huge single? Was it like right before this? Or, I want to say I mean, it was it like right 2000, around the same time, right? It yeah, had to have it, been like be 2002 close. maybe. Like, uh, what was this, Joe 04? So, yeah, 04, 2004. Yeah. And I think Taking Back Sunday's Tell All Your Friends came out in 2002. Ah, uh, gotcha. Well, yeah. the joke with this record was Under Oath decided to go emo this is when we went to an Under Oath show and the front row was nothing but girls and guys that didn't want to be there. Well, that makes sense. Because, <laughs> you know what? Okay, so think of it this way. If you got Taking Back Sunday explodes in 2002. Unfortunately, like, this is, is that a time. safe jump from Taking Back Sunday. So like you can listen to Taking Back Sunday, never hear or listen to anything that has screaming and breakdowns, and then hear Under Oath and still say, all right, this has some of that Taking Back Sunday vibe, but it's a little bit heavier. And like, you know, back then, a little bit heavier is always a little bit cooler for some reason. So it, it, it's probably why you had, you know, much uh, more predominantly like female crowd and a crowd that was coming from that pop punk scene. Well, it's weird, too, because like they're still a super Christian band at this point. Yeah, they have an anti-premarital sex song. Which song is that? Uh, Boy Brush Red, Living in Black and White. Ah, see, I mean, you're much more of a lyric guy than me. I, I'm, I might know all the words to that song, but I yeah, probably... Yeah, it's like, can you feel your heartbeat racing? Twice. Can you face the, taste the fear in her sweat? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you've gotcha. gone too far. You know, it, it talks... And, the, and Aaron actually said in an interview that that's what that song was about, was about 
kids having premarital sex. And I think Dan bad. is proving that the average emo fan never listened to the lyrics. They no, just listened to like, the lines. It's, um, All right. Yep. <laughs> so Joe just, you know, he's like, here's totally, where we both just go wrong. totally painted me in a corner. That's a- absolutely right. I mean, there are no sunny day real estate lyrics. <laughs> no. Hey, I didn't mention Everybody it. So nobody, I didn't mention it. You don't have to drink. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Brandon speaks for but, all of us, so if but he it's, says a, it, it's, then it's it's the truth. I mean, and yeah. so um, emotions were really important to me as far as listening to, you know, how the delivery was made, not necessarily what was delivered. It was the, the delivery itself was super important to me. So that's always why I listen to the emotion that's behind how somebody sings. That's it's the reason why. I love Swallow the Sun, and I have no fucking clue what they're singing about. They're, they're singing about fucking dead girls in the woods. Yes, I know they are Just now. So you know. We know that now, <laughs> thanks to you, Dan. Okay, well. <laughs> but it's so... I'm glad I'm here to keep you guys on track. <laughs> but it's so hauntingly beautiful. And that... So... Yeah, beautiful. It, yeah, I know. Apparently, I'm now a necrophiliac. Yeah. <laughs> According to Dan. Well, you know, I think Buddy put it the best when he was on that episode, when he said, oh, all you need is a little bit of WD-40. <laughs> <laughs> And that got a laugh from the crowd, so... Yeah, it did. Damn. Anyway. But, but no, this 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 album is great. It's got the hooks. It's got the melodies. It's got the screaming. I mean, it's got everything you, you, you want. And Aaron's clean vocals are right up that whole, like, whiny, high-pitched vocals that were real important at this time. Just like Taking Back Sunday and, you know, and, of course, Aaron... Went on to, you know, start the almost and... Oh, Aaron sounds like beautiful, like angel jizz. I mean, he sounds amazing. And it was also very cool to have, like, a drummer that sang at this time, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you're talking about... Like, you got your from Mom to Ashes and our trade. Well, hey, man, in in, uh, in, uh, the band Beloved, the drummer screamed, which was really cool. Oh, I'm a big fan of drummers on. Sing and scream. Yeah, shut up, Joe. Uh, so he uh, <laughs> he went on to be in a band called Advent. Actually, the drummer from Beloved, and it was boring as shit. But uh, you know, uh, that's cool. But that he went on and became a, a lead singer. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like this record is like I, mean, I hate to say it, but it's like uh, it's very similar to Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory album. What? In the sense that it's it really good, it doesn't sound the same. Start but to finish, it basically it, sound the same. it basically takes all the essential elements of a certain genre and puts them together in such a way that it everything's a single. Every single so song on this record is sound is, good. It's popular. Yeah, people uh, yeah. buy their shit. Yeah. So this is like third strike for new metal. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything on this record is. A I hit. think it was great because it's exposing it to people that normally wouldn't listen to it. Any song on this CD could be released as a single. It would have been fine. So you're saying the blue note? Okay, not the instrumental bullshit <laughs> track, but yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, like. My wife actually is note. perfectly fine with this, and like her her favorite band's better than Ezra, so she likes the whole southern. And poppy she hates rock. most of the stuff that you like, so yes, <laughs> with a passion, <laughs> and she can tolerate this. So I mean, it, it's a it's a good crossover album. I think it's great for anybody to be able to expand their horizons, and I think this is a really good album that allows people to do that because. It's easy. It's easy access. I don't think anybody will doubt that either. And to the point that, like, when you look back at this style, 
Like they're only chasing safety. If you put together any like top 20 lists of this style, they're only chasing safety is probably always going to be on there. Absolutely. 100%. Agreed. As much as I love to find the great line. It's definitely my third favorite album by the band because again, it's just so damn listenable. I mean, I, which one are we talking about now? Dan? Chasing safety. So okay. like I, because like I love cries of the past and like sometimes it alternates between changing at times or cries of the past for me. But like, you have to accept that after Chasing Safety, you're dealing with an essentially different band. It's like almost like the Zayo transition, you know, like the original Zayo was, was really good for what they did, but they weren't what we all remember. And so, like, I think with Chasing Safety, you know, they really transitioned into what they were going to become later. And this record's a solid third for me because, like, I was driving with my wife today listening to it. Uh, I took my kids to, like, a gymnastics thing and, um, you know we were listening to it on the way over and I was like God, I just forgot how just so damn singable these songs are yes you know and I, I bet you like with this um, I, I mean you kind of uh, said something that kind of made me think I, I, I think if when they were transitioning from Dallas to Spencer with Changing the Times to They're Only Chasing Safety they probably felt like they had so much steam and like credibility built up as a band that it didn't make sense to make um, you know, a new name for this and make it a whole new thing. But I bet you if they had the opportunity now, knowing where they are, they probably wouldn't really resist being able to distance themselves from like acts of depression or a crash from the past because it is like so completely different, you know? Um, but saying that, it's actually interesting if, uh, if you, if you're, if you listen on Spotify or you go to Spotify, I think they recently like re uploaded acts of depression from the past. And those actually come up as their like most recent albums released in like 2015 or 2016, which <laughs> is kind of weird to see. 2016 under oath, Acts of Depression. Here you go. Yeah. And that's got to confuse a hell out of people if you don't know the history. If you just go on there and say, oh, under oath, you know, I, I haven't listened to them in a while. Let's check this out. This see, that's the reason. Under oath became an independent deathcore band overnight. Who knew? That only talks about Jesus exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> that's the reason why we have discography discussion. We get to educate people. <laughs> I gotta toot our own horn since we've been we've been we've been tooting American Standards horn all night long. That's all plug, I do, plug, man. Plug. Yeah, absolutely, 24/7, man. Twenty four seven. It's American Standards. That's me. <laughs> uh, so that means I gotta listen to the whole discography. So, you're, so yeah, times distractions today. last a little while, but the problem still remains. Right. Yeah. So, speaking of American Standards, when are you gonna come to our area and play a show and crash at one of our houses? So right now we're actually going to, in March we're going up through the West Coast. In June, we're doing East Coast, and we may make it out your way in June. Uh, but if not, we're definitely going to be out there in September because we're doing full Midwest in September. Sounds and that sweet. sounds like so long away. So we're hoping that in addition to these like three-week tours where we do three weeks at a time, that we're going to have a couple like weekend runs and stuff like that, which like you guys arguably we that way in like four days so you know there, there might be sooner but definitely in september and maybe even in june congratulations That's you cool. have completed the first mid-show plug of this podcast history sounds good so yeah <laughs> we're, go. that's that's a good tidbit now it's we're time to define the great line yeah, say we got three more albums to get through man yeah this album actually happens to truthfully have my favorite song is it in regards to myself nope i tried <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan knows what it is because I already told him. Define the great line, dude. Like, this was like, hey guys, <laughs> we really love all that money we made off of. They're only chasing safety, so we're gonna go heavy again. What's yeah, wrong with that? That was a ballsy <laughs> move for them, right? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. But it wasn't heavy like Cries of the Past. It was heavy like Norma Jean. Yeah, Norma Jean heavy. Yeah. Which is, not, get, a, which again, is not a bad place to live. I was going to say, again, you know, what's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it from where I'm sitting. Yeah, and, of course, the one song that I do like on this isn't quite so heavy. And might actually and be I pretty popular. And I will say, popular. to find a great line, like, this is around the time. So this is the last Under Oath album that I know from front to back. Um, and I don't know as for the sake of me either not connecting with this album or not connecting with what came after it. I think it was just like kind of the time in my life I was at, you know, where I heard so much of this stuff already. Um, but to find a great line for me is probably the their, in my opinion, their third best album. Yeah, it's I think and it's, I think a I lot think of it's third for me too. Their favorite album. If I had to pick a album that I like most from the band for everything that they were and everything they became, it would be this one. As much as I don't like the emo aspects this is a nice mix of that with metal. And in regards yep. to myself is a great example of their old style of writing. Remember what I said earlier about the hardcore metalcore bands at the time not wanting to actually write choruses. Well, that song doesn't really have a chorus. It has three movements. And then we're on to the next thing. So they kind of went backwards and stayed where they were. And I don't know who was to blame for that. It might have been Aaron Gillespie. It might have been we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and they didn't hit as radio friendly as they did on their only changing safety chasing thank you but i liked it and actually in my memory this album came out first i know i'm wrong but my brain tells me this came out before the previous record you didn't notice but your brain did i know right <laughs> spencer screaming like a man the dude is a beast. That's my favorite part of this record is Spencer yeah, going does. back to that deeper guttural scream. And it just kicks ass. I mean, he's just so more on top of it and like has more energy than I expected. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like if you listen to the songs off of They're Only Chasing Safety versus the songs on The Changing of Times. Changing at times is an energetic record, but they're chasing. They're only chasing safety, is like four hundred times more energetic than the changing at times. Did I say that right, Joe? You got it. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, so Spencer is a powerhouse of energy. Yes, and you he can is. feel that through his vocals. So on this record, I mean, he came out of the gate screaming at you in a fashion that he had not before. I mean, to me, this put them on the same level as From Autumn to Ashes as far as, like, having an intensity to them. Like, there was the melody, but it was kind of like, um, it's kind of like what I was talking about on the Swallow the Sun episode, Jeff, about how, like, you have this, like, flawed monster, you know, this, 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 um, out of control individual that is only kept in control by, like, beautiful melodies. And that's what you get with the Find the Great Line. You have a lot of, like, unbridled anger and aggression that is only kept in check by the melody of the sensibility of the songwriting. So let's talk about aggression and melody. Brandon, it's 2006. For those that don't remember, or for us that have chosen to forget, what was the metal scene like? For me, 2006 was a year of like like Norma Jean and just kind of like we were talking about. Like this sound was the sound, the sound where you're bringing in like the really dissonant, heavy, 
chaotic sound and um i feel like every band was going for exactly what under Oath was doing with this album at this time compared to they're only chasing safety well you know end of destiny was blowing no, up the com- charts in 06 <laughs> you know <laughs> Only in one country, and it's on the other side of the world. Singapore, baby. We're coming. That's where the record sales went. We're coming. I've tried to forget that emo was a thing. But it was. But this was was good, dude. The emo influences were heavily reduced on this record. This is better. I'm not going to say it's good. It's better than the previous album. No, this is... No, the previous album I I thoroughly enjoyed, but because I'm an emo asshole. I'm sorry. It's okay, and, Jeff. And we forgive you for being who you are. Thank you. I, I <laughs> see. I, I do appreciate that. That you can still love me even though I'm an ass. Cheers, dude. Likewise. Writing on the walls. It's my favorite song on this album. I'm glad you brought that up. Like moving, it's moving not, for it's the not sake even close. It's not even close. Like I love that song. That's my favorite song by by Under Oath. It, it. I. I don't know why, man. I just love this freaking song. I. I like how Aaron and Spencer work well together on this. I really, I feel it. What do you guys think of Spencer's singing voice? Good. I mean, it's, I, I think, uh, I mean, over, obviously from changing the times to here, he knows how to write a hook and he, uh, it's, it's a smooth boy. And you'll know what that is, Dan. A smooth boy. <laughs> Shout out to the Roach Coach podcast. This yeah. means war. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think Spencer has a really good singing voice. It's because he does. He does. Like, I mean, if you listen to Chasing Safety and even this record, there's a lot of Spencer singing, which is something that's not really talked about that much. Spencer has a really good, like, ballsy, not really emo-sounding voice. And he, he displays that on this record more, I think, even than he did on Chasing Safety. And uh, that's something that's going to become really important later on. Yeah, and actually, I think uh, uh, Bring Me the Horizon... Like that guy's vocals, yeah, and yeah, Spencer's, sure. That, that's yeah, I hear that. As far as the clean singing, it's a slightly it's like, less it, intense Norma Jean, yeah, but it's, it's one of those. It's things. got that rasp, a little bit of rasp to it. I do like. Guys, I dig that. Do you guys feel like at this point, Aaron is a um, essential member of the band, or do you think that Spencer could handle it on his own as a vocalist? Like it, because I feel like I feel like he's that dynamic. Yeah, I think Spencer can handle it on his own, but I do thoroughly appreciate what Aaron brings to the table. Again, angel jizz, right? I mean, he's... Well, I, yeah, am, yeah. I, am I jealous of his hair? Yeah, you well, are. Well, hell yeah, yeah, I am. You are. Here's but, the thing about all emo music as far as a creative standpoint. The melodies are not actually melodies. They're expulsions that are primarily monotone done by people with baritone ranges. I know. I'm classified as a baritone. So Me am I. Maybe that's I've why got I like a tenor. <laughs> I've got a bass, but I'm classified as a baritone. Me too. They're hitting a high note, and they're holding it. Is Aaron essential? No! <laughs> Because anybody can do it. Not me. Especially at that time, because everybody was. I can't do it. They were hitting a high note and holding it. I didn't do it. They weren't actually singing. <laughs> That's part of the whole. That's because you can actually sing. Good, yeah, Mr. Cash. And I don't use that loosely. Thank you very much. I can't fucking sing. Come on. Do I need to include some things in this episode no, to prove you wrong? No, you piece of shit. If you do, I quit. 
tuning to uh, that oh, now. Sweet, I'm running the so, show now. <laughs> oh god, I can't let that happen. <laughs> all right, I'm back. <laughs> okay, so uh, all right, so yeah, this is the, I guess to Jeff's uh, emo discussion. I guess my question, <laughs> emo discussion featuring what's t- up, guys? Jeff came. Hey, we're we're listening to Rose Blossom Punch tonight. Woo-hoo. You shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Hey, they were, that's Christian emo, man. Uh, okay, anyway, so moving on. Um, Define the Great Line was a great record, and I think it really... Dan, I'm sorry, but how do you whine about Jesus? I can't think of a... I can't, 238. Uh, check out them. Check out check out 238. Anyway, so basically, Define the Great Line was a really weird record for me in the sense that, like, how many, how many people bought this record expecting... Chasing Safety 2, and we're like, oh. I didn't buy this record because I was so put off by the emo trend that I didn't well, want to touch anything new. But I mean, I found out later God. how wrong I was. How I should have bought this one. How many people were like, yeah, I'm checking out Chasing Safety, and then there was this. I was pleasantly surprised. So, yeah, I mean, truthfully, like, I was. I bought it, I was happy. So, like, Chasing Safety is, like, they cleaned up just long enough to get people interested, and then they went right back to their, not their old selves, but definitely a heavier version. So, it's like, For sure. they hooked them in, and now they're like, all right, we've got the years, let's give them a little bit of what we had before. Absolutely. Yeah, and then for for the, all the people that were disappointed, go listen to the Almost. So, let's listen to the next record. Is it that time? Lost in the Sound of Separation. Did anybody else like this record more than Define the Great Line? Anybody else? No. No. Really? Nope. Wow. The songs are good, but they're not as catchy. Brandon, help me out here, buddy. So this one, uh, I I gave it a listen through when it came out. It didn't really connect with me, and it took me several years to go back to. Wow. So I I honestly haven't spent enough time with this to really say one way or the other. I mean, I would say Define the Great Line, for me, still holds up better than this. I like this more than Define the Great Line. This reminds me of Good Apollo on Burning Star for Volume 2, in that the production quality went up, and the song quality... Well... I don't care. Trust me on this. (laughs) It's the same record as Define the Great Line. Um, I, I'll give it that. But the songs were cooler to me. And again, I think this just comes down to the fact that I am a fan of chaotic Norma Genie type of sounds and not as concerned with radio singles. So like Joe, when you say that the record wasn't as catchy, I think that that's what I liked about it. And I think the core Underworld was- fan would share that opinion with you. I just liked that. I just liked that it was a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more crazy. Spencer is on point here. You're saying it's yeah, less emo. I mean, it is way less emo. And Spencer is the shining star of this record, in my opinion. He's all of it, dude. Yeah. Talk about a vocalist upgrade for a band. Yeah. I mean, I mean we he, talk he about is. it on the Contortionist a lot, but like, seriously, in Under Oath, Spencer was the, literally the greatest thing that ever happened to this band. You know, I should probably go back and li- and listen to some of the the old stuff that Spencer has has done. I'll hook you up, and uh, I, I'm sure I'll be pleasantly. I've got it. I'll be very happy with it because we'll talk later. It, this runs through. It, da- yeah, yeah. Dallas was always my weak point on on the first three albums. I mean, I was just like I was 
sure, I mean, he's he's got the passion, but he just didn't have the voice. I, I would feel like I would be this, in the same boots. I would have all the passion, but I sure as hell don't have the voice to make it happen. You know, I think uh, that that's me to a T. But uh, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it worked out for the for the both of them, right? Because I don't think Under Oath had the opportunity to get as big as they did um, once they got Spencer. If they would have stayed with Dallas, there's no way they would have uh, taken off like they, they did now. Um, but at the same time, I think Dallas did much better after he left under oath and he went to Maylene. Yes, and I he think did. that was more fitting for him by far. Agreed. For sure. I mean, it, it was, it was, I think it was the best thing that could have happened for both Dallas and under oath. Cause like you said, cause I think he's much better in Maylene. So, I mean, it, it works out for both parties. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Min- minus the ATV accident, of course. I mean, this, this is actually the, the point where I come in and say that my, uh, my Boston Terrier, my dog is actually named after Dallas Taylor. So wow. No kidding. That's wow. awesome. Very cool. Oh, yeah, we got him the day that we went to a Malian show, and Dallas Taylor was spitting loogies in the air and letting them land on his face. And we're like, this guy's disgusting. <laughs> Sounds about right. Let's name our <laughs> That's dog Dallas. Awesome. It's better than me, man. My dog is named after a country singer and the atmosphere. So he's Toby Keith. You're like, come here, Toby Keith. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, if you guys don't have shit to say about this record, I will say that the a fault, a fault line, a fault of mine is fucking great, and you should check it out. Thank you, Dan, for that insightful outlook <laughs> into this particular record. It's a great record. It's exactly the same as Define the Great Line, and if you like that record, you're going to love this record. I'm curious what you're going to say about Disambiguation, because this one I have no history with, outside of the fact that the logo, I feel like, is tattooed on like so many people. <laughs> like, I see that logo everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no joke. So you're so... saying you're catching yourself, catching yourself? I love this record. Dude, you just do you remember? No, 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 no. Do you remember? Okay. So, okay, Dan's been throwing me curveballs on purpose all week long. I've been throwing my balls at you all week. That or he's been drunk all week because he's like, I'm not really feeling this one. I don't. That's that's what I got in text. (laughs) I go back and forth throughout the week, man. Everybody's that way. I'm not. And I'm drunk. I'm I'm feeling a little nostalgic. Okay. So, (laughs) okay. This record sounds really good because Aaron's not on it. Really, dude? You're going to be that guy? I'm that guy. Are you an Aaron Gillespie hater? They also have Daniel from Norma Jean drumming on it. What do you want me to say? I'm going to say the drums are was amazing. Was Aaron just too big with the side projects, or why, why wasn't Aaron on this? Fill me in here. Uh, I think so it's probably it's probably because of the almost. Any focus the on almost, 100%. and they pretty much said that they booted Aaron out of the band because Aaron was really trying to make them sound mainstream and they wanted to sound, you know, super fucking cult or whatever. So what you're saying is he was the Mike Portnoy of the emo scene? No, it's not that. I just think that they just had some disagreements song-wise and this record is generally heavier and more insane than the previous stuff. And Spencer's doing all the singing and it sounds fucking great. And I like how different it sounds from the previous two records. Was this the payoff for all the emo stuff? No, I don't have a problem with the emo stuff like you seem to have, Joe. I don't like emo. You well, like emo. This is established. I like emo. I that listen to some City of the Caterpillar from time to time. But, <laughs> okay, you know. I'm going to have to lure you in here, really in here. This isn't the emo discussion. Come on. <laughs> no, that's Brandon and Jeff's side project. Sweet. Emo discography discussion. <laughs> 2018. I'm game. Discussemo.com. Yeah. We'll talk later. <laughs> Alexis on fire. Uh, 
<laughs> Dude, I go I go back to the early '90s on on emo. So yeah. Is it Alexis on fire or is it Alex is on fire? Alexis on fire. Okay, that's definitely Alexis on fire. So with disambiguation and now that Spencer's full blown into singing, uh, this is probably around the time and given the fact that then they have a, a break for a little while, I think, and I could be completely wrong. So let me know if I am. But this is probably around the time where Spencer starts getting a big head and saying he can uh, go out and do some side projects, right? Uh, well, Aaron, maybe. I don't know about Spencer. How long has Sleepwave been around? He Sleepwave's did, sleep, been around he did Sleepwave after Under Earth broke up. Yeah, they oh, broke up they? in 2013. Yeah, yeah and then they were gone forever. I know they're back now, but like... Yeah, they were only broken up for two years, right? Yeah. Boy, Dan's feeling it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, it that, was like, That's not the feeling that I'm talking about, Dan. It was like two or three. <laughs> What do, you, what do you mean? We're going to have to wrap this up in the next 10 minutes or Dan's going to be out cold. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying. I've got like, one thing to say. Sunny day real estate. Uh, Woo! Damn it. I, I drank all the last beer on the last one. I, I'm beerless. Glug, glug, you know, glug, glug, glug. That was all up, though, There is something I want to talk about and get you guys' feedback on for under a... So they, they've got the DVD that they did, which I don't know when they released it or, or the documentary, uh, which I watched on YouTube. And I personally, that that was so weird for me because here they are, they're broken up for a while. They put out this documentary and I feel like months after the documentary comes out, then they announced the reunion tour. And that was just like, it completely took away from all the uh, feelings you get from that documentary. It's like Christ in, that in the documentary, past, like, man. It's all they're bullshit. They're standing together and they're like, we'll never see each other again. It's all bullshit. It's and like crimes of the past. Yeah, and then it, and then it's just months later back on the rip. This sounds like the same thing that Five Iron Frenzy and Offspring did. They put out a DVD that builds hype about their band, and then of course people are talking about your band. So you're like, well, I think we could still do this. No, Obviously. It, and it was a good. Uh, it was a good documentary too. It, was, it, really it gave was. you some serious insight into what was going really on in the really band. Well. Yes. Yeah, it's it's real simple. It's the simple phrase, show me the money. Somebody showed them the money, and they got back together. I mean, it's well, real that's simple. not a bad thing. If we get another no. record out of it, that'd be great. Yeah. So is Aaron back? Aaron's back. Yeah, they're oh, all back. The yeah, Aaron, Aaron's fans back. fans rejoice. Yes, I'm excited. He's got beautiful hair. Does he still <laughs> have the I hair? Get it. I get it, I don't Jeff. care, man. I get it, Jeff. You want to fuck Aaron. No, I want to fuck Aaron's hair. Let's get that straight. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I'm sure it's very straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he uses a flat iron on that shit. All right, great. Now that that's out of the way. <laughs> All right, Brandon Kellum, final thoughts on Under Oath. I mean, Under Oath was huge for me from the point, like, honestly, when I, like I said, changing of times is when I first heard them, but they're only chasing safety is what really, um, what really hooked me in i remember actually first transitioning from being in a new metal band to a screamo band and the guy that was singing for us brought um they're only chasing safety like you know maybe i think it was two or three of their singles or a demo or something he had of it and i'm like this is insane this is going to be the hugest thing and within a year i felt like everybody was talking about it so um although i didn't stay with them after to find a great line um every time i put in any album before that it's one of those albums I know every track that comes up and you start singing them right away. Jeff, what about you? I know it's DiscussMetal.com, but I do love the emo and screamo aspects of this band. I really enjoy it. I like the fact that they can do metal and have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of that emo mixed in. 
I, I'm, I'm making it so miserable for Joe that he's like double fisting it right now. <laughs> he's drinking a lot of beer really yeah, fast. Yeah, he's, he's got a leak. He's got a he's got space dust IPA in one hand and he's got steel reserve in the other. That's, you do not know how good that tastes. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, yeah, he he's hating on me, so he's gonna chug some beer. But I I love it, man. I like the hooks. I like the clean vocals in it. I think Spencer's a beast, and he is probably my favorite aspect of the band. I I mean, I everybody's supposed to go back to Dallas. Because he's the originator, but Spencer does it better. I guess that's really what it comes down to. He's my favorite part of of this band, bar none. Uh, Dan? I like it. All of it. All of it. It's all true. (laughs) Just stop it right there. It's all true. All of it. Uh, Dan likes Cries of the Past. I do. I like Cries of the Past. I like uh, The Changing of Times. Times. So that's Era 1. Era 2, I really like uh, Define the Great Line, and I really like... um, Lost in the Sound of Separation. separation. So that's where I live. I mean, I think they're a great band, and I I can't wait to hear what they do in the future. Um, I think I'm not at the point in my life anymore where I'm going to get butt hurt about the way the band sounds because it's not what I was expecting. So, Joe, what are your final thoughts? Joe's butt hurt. I think if you wanted me to find the polar opposite of new metal, which was popular at the time, Not and similar. say we are going to come up with a new popular heavy music, I would give you emo. I think the things that make Under Oath great and listenable are lost in the emo trend. Lost in the sound of separation. Lost <laughs> nice. in the time and lost in the expectation. <laughs> Everybody wants to hear it's dangerous business going out your front door. But the majority of those people are hung up on the emo. And I hate the fake emo. I don't even think that the early to mid-2000s emo is real emo. Yeah, real emo came out in 1994 with Diary. True metal fan here. And I wish I could separate myself from the emo trend, but it's still hurts new metal doesn't (laughs) hurt anymore emo is right up there for me with dubstep i'm waiting for it to stop hurting okay unfortunately dubstep is not going to stop hurting ever it's always going to be so are you trying to say joe that you're not going to these emo dance nights that they're doing at clubs now so joe i'm saying i'm going to stay home and rock out to the anti-melody and still life all right, Brand- Brandon. They have. We're going emo on the next album. It's totally. Emo as they can oh do, my which gosh. Is not emo at all. They've already got. Fuck you. They've already, they've already you, got Aaron Gillespie booked for like. Dude, three if you seconds. got any emo on your album, just hook, hook me up. If you if you need some backing <laughs> vocals, let me know. I'm a hey, strong baritone. Hey, I'll take care hey, of you. Hey, hey. <laughs> Fuck you. Hey if, man, if, I was an all state choir. If I'm special. If anybody's doing guest vocals in this room. <laughs> hey right Dan, now. what's your album of the week? <laughs> oh shit. Oh. Uh, well, I've been listening to uh, I've been listening to Wrong One to Fuck With by Dying Fetus this week. Jeff, what about you? Oh shit, I've been listening to John Williams. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> I've been pretty heavy on the Dusk and Us, uh, the new Converge album. It's it's beautiful, man. It's fucking great, dude. You're right. Beautiful Loneliness by Travail. Wow, okay. 
It would have been Elephant by the White Stripes, but Melissa left the room. Okay, good call. <laughs> All right, I'm going to add one, one more. What the fuck? Well, because I got to put something kind of sort of metal, metal right. in there. All right, okay, whatever. And I might have mentioned this before. And it's a uh, altered state by Tesseract. All right, cool. Because that's when it was good. Because Ash was the lead singer. He's the man. Not Ash Ketchum. No, Ash O'Hare <laughs> from the popular Pokemon series. <laughs> no, Ash O'Hare. All right, cool. Brandon, tell me what's going on with American Standards beyond the tease of all the tours that you gave us. We're uh, just jumping on the discography discussion as much as you'll have me. That's what we're doing. For the 2018, we're just blocking it all off and waiting for your call. Sounds like sex. Sweet. The next call, we want, <laughs> want we want it to be in person with the rest of the band. Have it live in the studio. Uh, that would be awesome. Dude, we That would, would be awesome. I, I'm, I'm so down to share some beers there. Oh, we would Sounds love it. Good. You know what? We would even buy those beers. Jeff will. Oh. Yes, I will. Buying I will plane buy, tickets after this. I will buy those <laughs> beers. We'll go down to Main and Mill. It's a awesome establishment. Literally, we can walk there, get shit faced, and walk back to Joe's. It's that that close. So every we've day. got a plan. All right, we've got a plan. Sounds and great. And on that note, this <laughs> has been episode forty-seven of Discography Discussion. Woo! Thank you for listening. Happy birthday, Dan! You can Thank like you. us Happy on birthday, Facebook Dan. and follow us on birthday. Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion, and please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money.